May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Growing up in this church, we usually came to this service on Thanksgiving. As a child, like with many children, some things I just accepted as the way they were and some things I questioned. For me, coming to church on Thanksgiving was just one of the way things were. I did enjoy it. I knew that Abraham Lincoln was the first to declare a national day of Thanksgiving, and that added to it. As an adult, people ask you what your plans for the holidays are. And for us, again, our response frequently includes that we plan to come to church on Thanksgiving. And the response that we usually get after we say that is, what? Why are you going to church on Thanksgiving? Uh, My first answer years ago, without giving much thought, is it's one of the best services of the year. All the hymns are beautiful and recognizable, and they're all hymns of great Thanksgiving. Not to mention the Star-Spangled Banner at the end of the service, and that's the only time all year that we do that. But the last 18 months, I've really thought a little bit more about why we come to church on Thanksgiving. I've had a couple of significant life events over that time span. I was diagnosed with cancer, and I had a losing campaign. And those caused uh, for this time period to be the most thankful of my life. And again, I imagine the reaction in the room to largely be, what? You likely think that I've lost my mind, and you would undoubtedly be correct. But just give me a few moments to offer a little bit of perspective. And I'll start with cancer. Now, that is inherently a perspective-altering experience. And I'll give you a very specific example. The day after I was diagnosed was the first day of school for my children. My son Ellis was starting second grade, and my daughter Mary Frances was starting kindergarten. Now, I'm a very sentimental person to begin with. But on that day, as Tony and I were walking our children in, I couldn't help but wonder to myself, will I be here next year to walk them into school? Or is this my last first day? Now, there's a lot of terror in that question, to be sure, as there always is when you get scary news with a lot of unknowns. But I can promise you one thing. I never got more out of walking my children into school than I did on that day. And a diagnosis of cancer or any other similar perspective-altering event in your life lets you know real quick what is important and also what is not important. And in my opinion, those are two different things. Now that perspective, it may fade a little with time, but not really. It still burns strongly. And that perspective is a gift, a gift to be thankful for. Now, as I was continuing to cope with and recover from cancer, I became more and more aware of the transformative power of thanksgiving as part of a growing relationship with God. Now, I thought I had a decent relationship with God before I was diagnosed, but then I had an experience similar to when my children were born, and I thought I knew what love was, and then they were born, and I learned it was something different entirely. And that's the same kind of experience that I had when I was diagnosed. I developed a brand new daily routine of prayer. And I tried to incorporate the seven different types of prayer that 
we've heard Dean Keller preach about from this pulpit. And my understanding of those kinds of prayer are first, confession. What we did wrong or what we did not do that we should have done. Second, petition. What we ask for God for what we want or need for ourselves. Third is intercession. What we ask for God for others. Fourth is thanksgiving. Fifth is oblation. Offering ourselves to God in his service. Sixth, praise. Offering words of praise to God in the best way that we can muster. And finally, seventh, adoration. Offering heartfelt love for God in a manner that cannot be articulated into words. Now, every time I'm able to go through each of these seven different types of prayer, it's a transformative process. Of course, I start with confession. And I have to say, during that part, I'm usually not feeling too good about myself. Then next comes petition, which by definition is asking for God for something for yourself. And to be completely frank, I'm usually not feeling too good about myself during that part either. But then comes the part where you begin to pray for others. And not just people you love, but specifically people that others may be surprised that you pray for. And the transformation process begins. And then comes thanksgiving. And I find that when I conclude that fourth type of prayer, that the transformation is already complete. The last three prayers of oblation, praise, and adoration are all glory because my heart has already been transformed. First, by praying for others, and second, by giving thanks. At that part, I always include the general prayer of thanksgiving. This talks of giving thanks to God for all of the blessings of this life, for a boundless and inestimable love, for the means of grace, for the hope of glory, that with truly thankful hearts we offer ourselves to God's service, not only with our lips, but in our lives. You can see why this is a transformative process on a daily basis. Uh, modern therapists of all sort know the power of thanksgiving. They frequently prescribe not medication for anxiety and depression, but actually a daily list of things to be grateful for, widely known as a gratitude list. But this is not something that modern psychiatrists or psychologists discovered or invented. Uh, you heard me say a moment ago that my relationship with God is stronger than it's ever been, and if you are a regular attender of this church, you may ask why you didn't see me here all that much this year. And the reason is not because I wasn't at church. It's just because I wasn't necessarily at this church. There goes my namesake, Catherine Clark. <laughs> One time I was giving a speech and I said, uh, they were taking out a crying baby, and I said, that baby's not bothering me, don't worry about it. And they said, you don't understand, you're bothering the baby. The truth is that I spent more time at church in 2018 than any other year of my life. And most of the other churches I went to were predominantly African-American. Now, if you've never attended a service at Trinity's sister church at Bethel AME or any of the numerous phenomenal African-American churches that we have here in central Arkansas, I strongly encourage you to go. It is an extremely spiritual experience. 
And it's, a, it's an amazing thing to be a part of. I plan to go back to several churches, whether I'm ever a candidate again or not. And every service I attended had at least three things in common. First, choir and song that'll make you cry, but bring you back for more. Second, preaching that will set your soul on fire. And third, a pastor that would use some variation of the following numerous times throughout the service. God woke me up this morning. God woke me up this morning. Now that declaration would frequently be accompanied by other testimony. God put breath in my body. God put my feet on the floor and started me on this new day. Now church after church, service after service, I heard that testimony over and over and over again. And it had a profound impact on me. One Sunday after a few services, I came to have several realizations all at once. The first is that these services that I was attending are primarily services of praise and thanksgiving. And it's a beautiful thing to witness and be a part of. And make no mistake, I was welcomed with open arms every single place that I went. A second, these were lists of things to be grateful for long before anyone had any idea what a gratitude list was. But it wasn't just any gratitude list. It was a list of the most humble and fundamental things that a person can be thankful for. God woke me up this morning and put breath in my body. And I also recognized with an instinctual awareness that African-American spiritual leaders have been preaching this testimony for centuries in this country, that it's not a coincidence that they would focus their concentration of thanksgiving on that humble list. I couldn't help but sit in my car after church and imagine a pastor preaching that testimony in the South in 1850 or 1880 or 1920 or in Little Rock in 1957 with the full knowledge that members of their congregation may not have much else to be thankful for outside of the fact that God woke them up that morning and put breath in their body and gave them a new day. I couldn't help but wonder if people that I was attending these services with in 2018 were in that same situation because they had never gotten a fair shake. But there they were anyway, offering praise and thanksgiving. Now these moments tore at my heart, but they also filled it with faith. First, what a testament to the spirit of African-American people in this country. It's a spirit that every single one of us would do well to draw from. In the Anglican tradition, Thanksgiving itself is not a sacrament, but St. Augustine defined a sacrament as an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. And I'm here to tell you that African-American spiritual leaders in this country have made a sacrament of thanksgiving in the face of poverty and racism, slavery, and other evils. And it is truly an inspiration. But second, what a testament to the overwhelming transformative power of thanksgiving. In preparing for this, I tried to answer the question of why it's so powerful. Now, the first part is obvious. When you give thanks, it grabs your focus and changes it from where it too often is for many of us, 
on what we don't have or what hasn't happened in our lives. And it directs it to the unilateral and extremely generous and abundance, abundant gifts that have been bestowed upon us. And I believe the real magic is in the recognition of that unearned generosity. And that creates a certain grace within us, an inspiration that is pure and untamed to take that next horizon, not with bitterness or anger or fear or provocation or personal ambition, but instead with joy and radiance and selflessness. And without making any political comment whatsoever, it's that inspiration that I work to make the soul of our campaign. And while I hoped, obviously, to impact millions of people with the policies that I wanted to work on, I've had thousands of people reach out to me and describe the impact that we had on their lives. Not through policy as a public official, but through the campaign itself and the way that we ran it. And the stories that have impacted me the most are the stories of children. I could tell you a few of those stories and what these kids said to me, sometimes with tears in their eyes, but that would only bring tears to mine. Let me just say that I set out to affect the political spirit of this state. I don't know if we did that or not, but I do know that the spirit of the people of this state affected me. And that brings me a joy that is impossible to put into words, a joy that is rooted in thanksgiving. Now, Abraham Lincoln knew the transformative power of thanksgiving, not just in a religious context, but also in the context of what it could do for the spirit of a country. Now, the only time that I'm certain that our country was more divided than it is today was in 1863. And that's the year when Lincoln declared a national day of thanksgiving. In that proclamation, he recognized, quote, that we were in the midst of a civil war of unequal magnitude and gravity. But he also sought to redirect the nation's focus and look to the horizon. He sought to recognize that our country, even in that time, was the recipient of what he described as boundless gifts of an extraordinary nature, and that through the process of thanksgiving, our nation could heal its wounds and live out purity, harmony, peace, and union. That first Thanksgiving day in the United States was November 26, 1863. Exactly one week before that day, Lincoln appeared at a battlefield in Gettysburg, where he spoke of a nation conceived in liberty, dedicated to the proposition that all are created equal. Lincoln also looked to the horizon, talking about the birth of a new nation in freedom so that government of the people, by the people, and for the people would not perish from this earth. Lincoln knew the means of grace. He knew the hope of glory. He knew that we must give ourselves to service, not only with our lips, but in our lives. And with that kind of thanksgiving, we could transform not only our souls, but also our country. And that is why I come to church on Thanksgiving.